0: This parrot is no more, it has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to meet its maker. This is a late parrot, it's a stiff, bereft of life it rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed it to its perch, it would be pushing up the daisies. It's rung down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. This is an ex-parrot, Graham Chapman. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee
1: Holt. And I'm Lee Esses.
0: Continuing our series today of reviewing edits that we made to our books published in June, I am going to be talking about Lee's
1: first book and her habit of take it back now, (laughs) y'all. She's a comedian today. I really am. Hence the Monty Python quote at the beginning. The reason for the quote is one of the main things
0: I noticed throughout this book was a habit for redundancy in your statements. I find this kind of funny because last time you told me I was being too vague and that I relied too much on implication. You hammer the point home a little too hard.
1: There is very little about my writing that is subtle. I will (laughs) admit to that one.
0: (laughs) So one of the biggest parts of this is that you make a statement of action, and then you go back to explain how we got there. So the first example I'm going to share is, Gordok and I collided first. He noticed me coming with enough time to brace for my charge, right hand flat on the ground. The posture put him under me, and he popped up again the instant we made contact. So you start off saying they collided, and then explain how they collided. So it makes the reader in this case me, have to backtrack and like rewind my brain because in my head they've already clashed. This, luckily, is an easy fix. All you have to do is take out that first line. You've already stated before this paragraph that everything started happening, Gordok moved, he moved, and then you can just go right into it with,
1: he noticed me coming with enough time to brace. I wonder where this comes from because I don't really see this in reading very much. But I do this in my story structure as well, where I will start with the inciting action in some way and then back up. This is how we got there. This is a hard habit for me to break. I have several books that start this way. This is an interesting habit of mine overall. I want to engage with the first sentence and then tell how we got there.
0: (laughs) Which in a story sense, large scale can really work well. I've shared an example before of possibly my favorite first line of a book ever is So there I was tied to an altar made of outdated encyclopedias, ready to be sacrificed by a cult of evil librarians. And you don't find out what happened with that until the end of the book, if not a couple books in. I can't remember for sure, but it gets you into the moment, into the action. So for a large story sense, that works. For a small moment in the action, because you want to keep the action moving in a fight scene, you don't want to have the reader constantly having to take a step backwards in time. Another example I'm going to share was similar to this, but this mostly created, instead of a halt in the action, a wait, what are you talking about moment. Then I saw it. The moon had risen fully, replacing the sun as my primary, though dramatically darker, light source. The creek had an offshoot in the tiny meadow before me. Running water had turned to mud, making it the perfect home for the beast. I knelt at the edge of the meadow, feeling the mud beneath my feet and knees, scanning the churned ground for something living. My eyes found movement. I could see the chest pulsing ever so slightly. So, there's like four things this could apply to. Then I saw it. And you immediately describe the moon. Okay, did it take him this long to see the moon? (laughs) And then you move on to the creek. Okay, well, I know he was already following it, so that can't be it. Was it the meadow? Oh, wait, no, it's the wallow. Oh, wait, no, it could be the
1: pig. This is another one of those trying to make the scene setting interesting. (laughs) It's like, hey, we'll get there. uh, There's a goal for me saying this is the scene setting right now.
0: It's not always bad to set the scene without having to set it up with action first.
1: But action is
0: everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Says the action author, but kind of not. (laughs) Action is so important it does keep things moving, but you don't want moments like this to confuse the reader. So if then I saw it is supposed to apply to the pig, you need to bump it down a paragraph. If it's supposed to apply to the wallow itself, then you need to put it into the middle of the paragraph.
1: Or in traditional May fashion, kill it entirely. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> so on
0: to the next subcategory of take it back now, y'all. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm sorry. This popped into my head when I was coming up with this title and I'm just running with it because it's fun. I agree. <laughs> so you have a little bit of a habit that I would expect from a pantser. Really? You make a lot of contradictory statements. Hmm.
1: That probably comes from writing it and then waiting two plus years to edit it. And so, oh, I'll, I'll make it form like this.
0: So in the first one that I noticed is part of your world building was describing the sorceress and how they only pop up once or twice in a generation. There was one moment near the beginning where you said there were two or three in a generation and then later one, maybe two, which is really surprising. So there's a little bit of that. Those were super separated in the first book, though. So it was hard to pick up until I went through it a second time. And I was like, wait a second. (laughs) And then another one with the sorceresses is you made the statement that the sorceress's hands are immune to harm. Two paragraphs later, you said, well, they might be immune to harm, but they might also just be immune to what specific power they wield.
1: So that's a first person omniscient point of view. He doesn't know for certain. Should I take that out? Because that's kind of him admitting there's still more to learn about this whole thing and his main person he can talk to can control everything. Therefore, her hands being immune to everything doesn't narrow it down. This is one of those that
0: I think the information itself is really good and really important to have in there. But make that first statement less definitive because you said they're immune to harm. And then, well, maybe not. So make that first statement more of a it's believed that they're immune to damage. And then you can explain a little bit later why there's a little bit of confusion about what specifically can damage a sorceress's hands.
1: Of course, the other thing we can do is just make it not a question, make him know what the answer is. That is also it, too. First person omniscient was a struggle for me, as covered a few episodes ago. And one of the things I wanted to express about the point of view character was he still has questions. He still doesn't know everything that happened. He's just relating the information that he does know happened. There's an edge of humility and not exactly misunderstanding, but uh, I don't quite know what happened because I wasn't their historian teacher type mentality.
0: Which in the storyline really works because that does represent the true infallibility of humans. We can't know everything even if you are a scholar. But with statements like this, you need to make it a little bit more clear because both of those aspects were internal dialogue. So it's just a matter of balancing what he states as fact and what he states as this could be fact. So the other one that I noticed was, again, in a fight. You initially had this statement of challenge, I mocked, dropping my mutilated arm in hopes of minimizing my biggest weakness in his sight. And then, like, two or three paragraphs later, you say, I refuse to be shy about the injury we both knew I had. I'm like, okay, you can't have it both ways. Either he's trying to minimize it, or he's being like, no, see, look what you did to me.
1: I think what the actual issue here might be is I need a transition, because he started off shy about it. And then he's like, screw it. These are little boys in his point of view because they're like a third his age. So if we all know this is happening, I'll rub it in his face instead. So there was a character shift there that I guess needed a clearer transition.
0: Yes. And if you do that with that determination of suddenly deciding to not be shy about it, then that would make sense. But the way it's currently phrased is that he's just shy and then I'm refusing to be shy. It doesn't quite work. And then in that same vein was another fight scene where the MC said, if I wasn't careful, I'd slam the fist into the sharpened stone. I didn't care. I sent my left arm in a wild outward swing, knocking the dangerous weapon out of his hand, sending it out of reach of both of us. Okay. The fact that he knocked it away tells me he did care because otherwise he just wouldn't have paid attention to it.
1: So maybe a better way to phrase that was, I decided it was worth the risk.
0: Yes, that would be way better because the phrasing of I didn't care implies, yeah, if I hit it, I hit it. It's fine. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up this particular episode Again, we hope this helped you analyze your own writing, analyze what you can do when you're working with an editor, things that you may pick up in your own writing so you can say, hey, can you look out for this specific aspect for me?
1: And when you're self-editing, keep an eye out for changing the timeline, actions happening outside of timeline, seeing something, then the moon, then the meadow, and then the boar. Yeah, (laughs) make
0: sure things line up. But of course, when you're starting out, when you're just writing it, focus on writing and focus on writing selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots@aspenhousepublishing.com, or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.